The focus of the last two prokim of the Masechta is Gezele, when somebody steals something from somebody else, not in secret. That's called Geneva. Gezele is when it's done by force. And the previous Mishnah talked about somebody who gives an item to a craftsman for him to fix or to turn into a different item, and the craftsman ruins it. So we learned that the craftsman is responsible to pay for the damage which he did. This Mishnah discusses a similar case where Hanesim Tzemel one who gives wool to somebody who dyes things, and that person put it into his big pot which has boiling water, that was part of the process of dyeing the wool, but it was too hot and this big pot which he uses for dyeing the wool, it ended up burning the wool and the wool was damaged. He is obligated to pay the owner of the wool, the value of the wool, because he did damage to it and he is responsible. Now we learned in the previous Mishnah that if somebody gives a craftsman some wood to turn into a different item, and he makes it into that different item, and then the craftsman breaks it. Since when he made it into the other item, he was doing it on behalf of the owner, so the owner remains the owner of this item all along. And therefore, if the craftsman breaks it, once he has made it into an item, and that item is now worth more than it was worth when it was just pieces of wood, the craftsman will be liable to pay the higher price, because he broke it once it was worth more. And the same would apply in our case. If he dyed the wool and the wool was dyed, and then, for example, he left it in for too long, and it was burnt only after it had turned into wool which had been dyed and was worth more, so in this case as well, the dyer would be obligated to pay for the higher value of the wool which had been dyed. Alright, what happens if he doesn't ruin it? But, Svoi Ka'ur. He dyes it with a very ugly colour, he uses bad quality dye, and it doesn't look so nice. However, the value of the wool still went up in value. It's now not just plain wool, but it's wool which has been dyed. So it did go up in value, but not so much. And it's pretty obvious that this is not what the owner of the dye desired, but at the end of the day, he agreed with this person who was dyeing it, that he's going to dye it for him, and he's going to pay him for the job. And the person did dye it, he just dyed it with something which is not so desirable. And it's clear that that's not what the owner wanted. So the owner is still obligated to pay him for what he did, however, he pays him a lower amount. The dyer has the lower hand. Then the Mishnah explains, If the amount that the wool went up in value is more than the tzir, which we're going to translate to refer to the amount that they agreed that he would pay the owner. So that includes the costs of the dye, plus the actual payment for the work which he is doing. So the amount that the wool went up in value is more than the amount that he was supposed to pay this dyer. So he only needs to pay him the lower amount, the amount that he, they agreed upon that he would pay him. But if the amount that they agreed that he would pay him is more than the amount that he went up in value, then he only needs to give him the amount that the wool went up in value, and no more. Now what happens if the owner tells the dyer specifically to dye it in the color red, but instead the person dyed it with black? Now, we're talking about a case where black and red are considered to be the same quality. It's just that he did a different color. Or Shachar, he told him to dye it in black with Tzvay Odoim, and he dyed it in red. He did a different color. It wasn't worse quality, but it wasn't exactly the instructions of the owner. Rabbi Meir says, this is considered to be a thief. 
He didn't follow his, instru- his instructions and he dyed it with something totally different. So it's like he stole his item and made a significant change in it as well. So he really acquires the item and pays the owner for the value of the wool which it was worth at the time that he stole it. So Meir 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 says, The dyer needs to pay the owner of the wool for the value of his, of his wool. And then he would keep the wool himself. Or if the owner still wants to take the wool, so he can take the wool. But Rameyr views him as a thief. Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Huda says, No, at the end of the day, he fulfilled the main job. The main job was for him to dye it. And it's true that he didn't exactly follow the wishes of the owner. But it's the same as the previous case in the Mishnah, where he used the worst quality dye. So the law is he has the lower hand. He still needs to be paid by the owner. But he's paid the lower amount. If the amount of the wool went up in value is more than the amount that he was supposed to be paid, then the owner needs to pay him the amount that he was going to pay him. If the amount that they agreed that he would pay him is more than the amount that the wool went up in value, he only needs to give him the amount that went up in value, which is the lower amount, according to Rabbi Yehuda. This is the same as the first case in the Mishnah, that the owner needs to pay the dyer, but the dyer has the lower hand. Mishnah Hey, the Torah says that if somebody steals something and then the owner comes to him and claims that he stole it from him, and the guzzler, the thief, swears that he didn't steal it from him or that he already paid it, and then later on this person came back to the owner and he admitted that actually he lied, he sweared falsely, and he is the guzzler. The Torah says that in such a situation, the guzzler is obligated not only to pay back the item which he stole, but he has to add on a chaymesh. He pays back Keren V'choymesh. Keren refers to the actual value of the item. V'choymesh plus a fifth. Now, although it's called a choymesh, a fifth, the truth is that it's actually only a quarter. So why is it called a fifth? Because when you add a quarter onto the full value, it emerges that the quarter is a fifth of the total value of one and a quarter. A quarter is a quarter of the whole amount, but it's a fifth of one and a quarter. For example, if a person stole 100 shekel, so a quarter of that would be 25, so he would pay back 125, that's keren v'choymesh, so it emerges that the 25 which he added on is a fifth of 125. So that's why it's called a choymesh, so it's called a fifth, but really it's a quarter. As well as that, the Torah says that he's obligated to bring a korban osham, a korban for the sin of swearing falsely. Although the Torah does specify that if witnesses were to later come, if what happens if he swore that he didn't steal it, and then witnesses testify that he stole it. So he's obligated to pay back the item which he stole. But in that case, he would not be obligated to pay Karen v'choymesh. And also he wouldn't be liable to bring a korban. It's then from Pesukim that the punishment of Chaymesh and bringing a Korban Osham only apply in a case where he admitted himself that he had sworn falsely. Says the Mishnah, HaGuzel is one who steals from his friend, Shove Pruta, a Shove Pruta, something worth at least a Pruta, which is considered to be the smallest value, which is considered at all significant. And then Venishwalai, he swore to him that he didn't steal it. If later on he regrets his sin, he wants to do tshuva, so he wants to return the stolen item. But meanwhile, the person who he stole from has gone abroad and is very, very far away. And in general, in such a case, if somebody stole from someone else and he didn't swear, so of course he's obligated to return the stolen item, but it's not his responsibility to go chasing after the person who he stole from. 
if the person who he stole from comes, then he's obviously obligated to give him the stolen item. And if it's not a big effort, then he's obligated to do so. But if the person who he stole from has gone abroad, and it will take a lot of effort in order to return this to him, so we say that the owner, if he wants his item back, he should come and get it. However, in this case, where he swore that he didn't steal it, so in this case, the owner's not going to come back to him to get the item, because this person swore to him that he didn't steal it. And therefore, in this case, the Gazlan needs to bring the item which he stole, or the value which he stole. He needs to go after the owner to give it back to him. Even if it will require him to go to Modai, a faraway country, he's obligated to do so. And he can't give it to the son of the owner of the item, he can't give it to the messenger either. He needs to hand it over to the hands of the owner himself. Now, if you think about it, this is going to discourage people from doing teshuva and returning the stolen item. If this is what it takes, then they'll say, forget about it. I'm not going to bother returning the stolen item and doing teshuva. And because of that, the Chachomim introduced a leniency that he can give it to the messenger of a Beistin, he can go to Beistin and tell them what happened, and Beistin would appoint a messenger that the messenger will go after the owner in order to return it to him. And this is in order to encourage the person to do tshuva and to return the stolen item. Says so the mace, if the owner died, then Yachzer Yoshov, he is obligated to return the Keren V'choymesh to the owner's inheritors who inherit the rights to whatever the owner was supposed to receive. If the Gazlan gave back the Keren, the actual value of the item which he stole, but he didn't give the Chaymesh which he was required to give after having sworn falsely. Or If the owner forgave him, said I forgo my rights to receive the Keren, you don't need to give me back the value which you stole, but he didn't forgo on the extra Chaymesh which he is entitled to. Or he forgave him and said that you don't need to pay me neither the Keren nor the extra Chaymesh, except for a certain amount which is less than a Shavapruta of the Keren, of the actual value. Again, Shavapruta is the smallest value which is considered to be at all significant. So he said that you don't need to pay me back any of it, except for a small amount which is less than a Shavapruta. In all of these cases, he doesn't need to go chasing after the owner, because he's only obligated to do so to return the actual value, the actual thing which he stole, but not the ed- the added chaymesh, which is a sort of fine for him. And if it's less than Prutta, so it's not considered to be a significant enough value at all to obligate him to put in the effort to chase after the person in order to, res- to return it. However, if the Gazlan gave him the Chaymesh, the added fifth or the quarter, but he didn't return the actual value of the item itself, or if the owner forgave him and said that he doesn't need to pay him the Chaymesh, but he didn't say this about the actual value, or if he forgave him for both the Keren and the Chaymesh, he said, You don't need to pay it to me, except for part of it you do need to pay me. And that part of it is Meshavah Pruta by Keren. It's worth at least Meshavah Pruta, and it's part of the actual value which he stole. So now, in these cases, he's still obligated to pay him the actual value, or part of the actual value of the item which he stole. And therefore, he is obligated to go after the owner in order to return him the item, or the part of the item which he stole from him. Or at least the value of the item which he stole from him. And until he does this, he does not receive a uh, proper atonement for his sin of stealing.
Mishnah Zayin. What happens if Nosson is Hakeren? The Gazlan gives the owner the actual value which he stole, and Venishvalei Chaimesh, he swears that he already paid him the Chaimesh, the added quarter, but he swore falsely, and later on he came back and admitted that indeed he had sworn falsely, and he does still owe him the Chaimesh. So if you think about it, in this case we can really ignore the Keren, the Keren he's already paid. There's another part which is the Chaimesh, which he owes this person. And if he swears that he's not obligated to pay him the Chaimesh, that's like a regular case where somebody swears that he's not obligated to pay back the item which they claim he stole. We now look at this Chaimesh as being the item itself. The Chaimesh is the thing which he needs to return to the owner. And he swears that he doesn't need to return it. He already gave it back, for example. And then he admits that he actually he does need to give back the Chaimesh. So the law is he has to pay back Karen the Chaimesh on this Chaimesh. He has to pay and add on another fifth or a quarter on this Chaimesh because the Chaimesh which he has to pay back becomes like the Keren, the actual thing which he needs to give back. And what happens if... So, so he did that and he swore and he admitted that he swore falsely and he gives back the original Chaimesh but the added Chaimesh which he needs to add on to this Chaimesh he doesn't pay and he swears that he already paid it. And later on he admits that actually he didn't pay it. So again we go through the same cycle. This Chaimesh which he swore about becomes like the Keren and he has to pay back that plus another fifth of that smaller amount. And it goes on and on, Adji smite a Keren until the, so to speak, Keren, which is really the Chaimesh which became like the Keren, until that becomes worth less than less than a Shoaprutta. And then it comes that it comes out that he's swearing about less than a Shoaprutta, and that doesn't obligate him to add on a Chaimesh, because it's not considered to be a significant amount of value at all. So this is an interesting case where the Chaimesh itself becomes like the Keren, and if you swear about that, then you're going to have to pay back that plus a Chaimesh of that. Now, until now, we've been assuming that this law of giving back Karen the Chaimesh and giving a carbon Osham, this applies specifically to a Gazlan who swears that he didn't steal it or that he already gave it back, and then admits that actually he was lying. But the truth is, the Torah says this regarding a number of different things, which a person swears that he doesn't owe to somebody else, but really he does owe it to him. The the same applies to a Pekodoin, an item which was deposited with somebody to guard over it, Ruvain said to Shimon, I'm going on holiday for a week, and I'm appointing you to guard over my possession whilst I'm gone, and then Ruvain comes back, and Shimon claims he swears that he doesn't have the item. And then later on he admits that actually he does have it. So again, in that case, he would be obligated to return Karen v'choymesh, and to bring a Korban Oshom. Shinema, as the Pesach says, with Pekodoin, this applies to a Pekodoin, something which is deposited with somebody to guard over it. Which literally means something which is placed in the hand, and this refers to a loan. If the borrower claims that he didn't borrow money, that he already returned it, and then he admits to it again, the same would apply. Obegozel, or stealing, like we have discussed until now, or if he took advantage of his friend. This is referring to somebody who had to pay his worker, and he sweared that he already paid him, for example. Or if he found a lost item, and he denies that he found it. And he swears falsely. In all of these cases, if he then admits to it, then he would be liable to pay back the value plus a quarter, which is a fifth of the total value, like we explained, and to bring a carbon osham.
And the mission now brings an example. If somebody, let's say Ruvain gave Shimon an item for him to guard over, and he comes back and he says, Hey where is my item which I gave to you to guard? Oh my loy, Shimon says back to Ruvain, Ovad, it was lost. And we're talking about a particular type of guard who is exempt for paying back if the item got lost. Mashbiachani, Ruvain says to Shimon, I make you swear. Swear that that's true of Omar Amein. And Shimon said Amein, he accepted the Shavua. So if the next thing which happens is that witnesses testify that actually this person ate it. In that case, all Shimon is obligated to do is to pay back the Keren. However, if he himself admitted that he swore falsely and that actually he ate the Pekodain himself, so then, then he would need to pay back Karen Vachomesh and bring a Karen Osham. Because as we explained, this punishment of Karen Vachomesh and Osham only applies if he himself admits to having done it, and this is learnt from Psukim.